0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Let's Finish Cancer, where we bring you the brightest cancer experts and compassionate cancer navigators. Our goal is to make you stronger at a time you might feel at your weakest and to empower you to make the best decisions for you and your family. You'll hear about the latest in technology and treatment options, stories of patients and survivors, doctors that see you as more than a cancer diagnosis, and a whole person approach to cancer care. We want to be on your journey with you and know that at times it can be bumpy, but we're here and we want to help you forward. I'm your host, Mary Arnoff, and here with me today is Dr. Gabriel Axelrod, Medical Director of Radiation Oncology at Joe Arrington Cancer Research and Treatment Center in Lubbock, Texas. In this episode of Let's Finish Cancer, we're discussing cancer prevention. While some cancers are genetic, others are related to lifestyle, and steps can be taken to lower your risk. Well, let's dive in by welcoming our expert today, Dr. Axelrod. I would love for you to tell people a little bit about yourself and your role at Covenant. And for those who are listening who don't know, Covenant is part of the Providence family of health organizations based in Texas.
1: Hi, Mary. So I'm a radiation oncologist and medical director of Covenant Health's Radiation Oncology Department, which includes our main clinic, Joe Arrington Cancer Research and Treatment Center in Lubbock, Texas, an outpatient satellite facility and an affiliated institution located in eastern new mexico and we're proud as you mentioned to be part of providence saint joseph health and all of our region's radiation sites are well equipped and able to deliver most radiation treatments for our texas and new mexico patients and our at our main center joe errington we also offer more specialized procedures such as gamma knife radio surgery stereotactic ablative radiotherapy brachytherapy, radiopharmaceuticals, and ped- pediatric oncology care. And beyond my professional life, I'm a husband and very proud girl dad.
0: Uh, to a young one. Yeah, that's exciting.
1: To two, actually, yes. Oh, two. I have a five five-year-old and a seven-month-old now.
0: Wow. So about 10 years from now, life's going to be really complicated for you.
1: (laughs) I'm not thinking about that.
0: (laughs) Well, I do know that that radiation oncology is an area that you're uh, focused on. So tell me a little bit about how you got interested in that field.
1: Well, first to keep it simple, I'm going to describe what radiation oncology is. Um, So basically it's a subspecialty or it's a medical specialty where we use various forms of basically radiation x-rays gamma rays electrons protons neutrons for example to safely and effectively treat cancer and other diseases and early on i knew i wanted to be a cancer doctor in general and the decision for radiation oncology instead of for example surgical or medical oncology was fairly easy based on my hobbies which mostly involved new and emerging technologies and a strong desire to develop meaningful patient relationships while treating and often curing cancers on a daily basis.
0: Oh, I love that. You sound very passionate. I like it when it's passionate. I like it.
1: It is still my passion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, today we're talking about cancer prevention. And, you know, we've talked a lot about cancer in in this show of uh, Let's Finish Cancer. And we've learned a lot about the fact that some things are beyond our control, right? Our gender, our race, our ethnicity, our family history. But some right. things we can control when it comes to cancer. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I know that a lot of it comes from lifestyle. So talk to me a little bit about how lifestyle can impact cancer.
1: Well, lifestyle, uh, can definitely affect cancer and, uh, uh, the cancer risks. Uh, there are things we call modifiable risk factors, such as, you know, as, as we'll probably get to, uh, some, uh, tobacco use, some infections, physical activity, obesity, environmental exposures, diet, for example. So, um. Those are things that people can um, can actually modify in their life and and potentially prevent cancers and other diseases.
0: Let's dig into that because I think diet and food is a, a big thing for people, right? Because it impacts so much, right? The food you eat That's can right. impact whether you have diabetes, it can impact your gut health, all sorts of things. Let's talk about how diet affects cancer or our risk of cancer, I guess I should say.
1: Mm-hmm. So um well unhealthy diets have been associated with a higher risk of developing cancer uh colon cancer for example so it's it's a very important factor as we talk about prevention today there was one review that actually found that individuals with the healthiest diets have about a 10 to 25% risk of uh lower risk of death cancer death than those with the very least healthy diets and To clarify, when I say healthy, I mean those diets that emphasize usually fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, fish, poultry, and fewer red and processed meats. Uh, The Mediterranean diet, for example, is is an example of, of a healthy diet.
0: Well, we probably should clarify for people listening that when we say diet, we mean the foods that we're eating on a daily basis in our body, right? Not necessarily a fad diet like a keto or a whatever, but just the, the day-to-day food that we're eating, correct?
1: That's correct. It's about, about lifestyle, whole life uh, style of uh, what you choose to eat and uh, yeah, rather than a short period of time uh, with these fad diets that are very tough to maintain. In the long run
0: so what about things that are in foods right like we hear a lot of things like this has beta gamma whatever or this has carcinogens talk to me about kind of what types of foods maybe we should be avoiding or things that we should be focused on
1: okay so i mentioned the what constitutes a healthy diet and hopefully we'll still have an audience after i answer this one Um, because processed meat like lunch meats bacon hot dogs have have been classified as human carcinogens and red meat such as beef lamb pork have also been classified as probable carcinogens based on primarily their associate uh, their evidence of their association with risk of colorectal cancers and the specific mechanisms of how how that leads to that are not entirely known but there are substances that we hear all the time, like nitrates or nitrites that are used to preserve processed meats and things like heme, iron, and red meat that can contribute to the formation of nitrosamines, which are involved in carcinogenesis, which means cancer formation. In addition, the ways we cook these types of foods, like smoking, curing, or cooking them at very high temperatures, pan frying or grilling, can also form chemicals that could contribute to increased risk.
0: I don't want to freak you out, but you know you're in Texas, and you're saying we shouldn't. not Not only are you saying not to eat red meat, you're saying not to barbecue it. I feel like you're going to get driven out of town.
1: You're asking the questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm just here to
1: answer. I'm just here to ask the questions. Well, uh, let's hit another <laughs> hot spot,
0: though. What about alcohol? Because we hear a lot about alcohol and its impact on cancer.
1: That's right. So um, it's estimated that about 6% of cancers, uh, cancer cases can actually be attributed to alcohol. And you know, going top to bottom, I can't, especially cancers of the mouth, pharynx, larynx, esophagus, liver, colorectal, and female breast, which there, there are some studies that show that even a few drinks per per week can actually be associated with a slightly elevated risk of female breast cancer and the risk continues to increase with alcohol consumption at higher and higher levels so because of all of this the american cancer society now actually recommends that it's best to avoid alcohol and this is what i usually counsel my patients
0: I feel like you're taking away all the fun stuff. On the flip side, I completely think I would rather have no beef or no alcohol and not have cancer. Um, It's interesting, too, because, you know, you read a lot and you mentioned, too, right? Obesity is an impact and and a health risk for cancer. But a lot of times obesity can be related to the diets we're eating. But how does obesity impact cancer? Is it certain kinds of cancer? Is it? Talk Mm -hmm. to me about that
1: yes Uh, so more and more the evidence continues to suggest that one of the most preventable causal factors of cancer aside from avoiding tobacco which i'm sure we'll get to is obesity Uh, and the world health organization's international agency for research on cancer uh, uh, states that there is abundant evidence now to support the link between excess body weight and 13 different types of cancers And I can list them for you if you want.
0: I'd love to hear kind of some of them. Like, are there some of them the most common ones we hear about? I mean, because really we hear a lot about breast cancer and lung cancer and that sort of thing.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Breast cancer specifically in postmenopausal women, uh, but also endometrial uh, or urine, uterus cancer, esophagus, esophageal, especially esophageal adenocarcinoma, the type, liver cancer, stomach cancer kidney meningioma multiple myeloma pancreas colorectal gallbladder ovary and thyroid okay but to to on the flip side weight loss in overweight or obese individuals has been linked to reduced cancer incidence so these are things that we can we can do to prevent basically
0: everyone who's listening is now putting on their running shoes right (laughs) because hopefully they're
1: listening at (laughs) the gym maybe
0: well maybe it's a podcast right you're listening that's right but but let's talk about that let's talk about the gym because exercise can help right it can help us lose weight is it is it kind of a, a key to cancer prevention
1: yes no exercise is very important and this is in addition to other health benefits cardiovascular for instance that everyone knows but physical activity can also reduce cancer risk through many mechanisms related to obesity which we talked about or reduction in insulin levels hormones improved immune function and even for cancer survivors meaning patients that that had cancer and have received treatment those who are physically active are actually less likely to have adverse effects and to die from their cancer in comparison to those who are not active. So activity is very important.
0: I know that you you treat cancer patients. Is is physical activity important while they're going through treatment as well? And I'm sure it depends on the patient, it depends on the treatment they're doing. But you do you try to keep people as active as possible while they're going through cancer treatment?
1: Yes, as active as possible. It's uh, uh, the treatments. You know, some treatments are very tough, so. I say, you know, don't push yourself, but try to remain as active as you can, because periods of long periods of inactivity basically you you become uh, decompensated. It's very hard to get back to your your prior baseline if you just completely stop. So any activity they can do without pushing themselves overexerting is is a good thing to do.
0: Probably helps with mental health too. I would think just being active and getting out and maybe being able to do what you were doing before. I could see that.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you mentioned smoking earlier. How, how dangerous is smoking cigarettes? And then I want to dig into that too on vaping. Cause I think I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't smoke, but I vape now. I don't know if we know enough, but tell me what you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. And I, yeah, I don't think we can have a podcast on cancer prevention without mentioning tobacco use. Uh, it, unfortunately remains the most common preventable cause of death in the United States. And cigarette smoke has been shown to increase not only the risk of lung cancer, but many, many other cancers as well. Oral cavity, pharynx, larynx, esophagus, pancreas, cervix, kidney, bladder, stomach, colorectal, liver, and leukemias. Basically, it's been very clear for a long time, I'm sure everyone knows that there's no risk-free level of exposure to tobacco and when i say tobacco because we were talking about smoking i also mean smokeless tobacco and and secondhand smoke so um you know it's it is dangerous cigarette smoke itself is known to have more than seven thousand chemicals chemical compounds heavy metals and more than 60 of them have been identified as carcinogens um, now you're wondering about vaping?
0: I mean, first of all, that's a
1: lot. You say the
0: number of carcinogens. I'm thinking, why would I put that in my body? But that's neither here nor there. Yes. Let's talk about vaping because I do think people think that vaping is safer
1: well, uh, there there is evidence that vaping or e-cigarette use re- can reduce exposure to many of these carcinogens in comparison to the one to the smoking tobacco as as we just discussed but there's also accumulating evidence of negative effects on airways and blood vessels for example and so if you ask me if it's safe since there's no long-term use uh risks basically since we don't know what the long-term use risks uh, are at this point i can't necessarily recommend them or consider them safe and a lot of times people patients ask me about using e-cigarettes vaping as a, as a tool to quit smoking their regular combustible tobacco products. And, you know, I agree with the current guidelines, which currently uh, say that there's insufficient evidence for any of these products as smoking cessation aids, since we, we since we don't know the balance of their benefits and harms. So I usually still advise nicotine replacement therapies, prescription medications, and behavioral counseling.
0: Wow. You're just a barrel of fun today, doc. (laughs) You're telling people not to do anything, but I, I, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's so, it's so honest and it's really, these are things we can choose. Right. And I think that's the part people need to listen to. And maybe as long as,
1: as long as people are informed, you know, uh, I think it's, you know, the message has been out there. This is, this is, an addiction and it's tough to treat but there are things that that are not well publicized so hopefully this program can help reach some people
0: for sure well and you know the thing is is maybe you're overweight and you're eating a lot of red meat and you're barbecuing it and you're smoking well maybe you can cut one of those out right now and then you'll right. get to two i mean they you know just it's it's we're helping we're helping educate i i think another one i wanted to ask you about though is is obviously environmental, but like skin cancer, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I wear sunscreen every day because most of the women in my family have had skin cancer. Um, But are there other things we should know? Are there other ways to prevent skin cancer?
1: Well, uh, yeah, sun protection, avoidance of artificial UV exposures like tanning beds, which my opinion should be outlawed, are very important um, because like you mentioned, you mentioned your family members or Everyone probably knows someone who had one type of skin cancer because it's still the most common form of cancer in the United States, basically over 5 million cases treated annually. So I usually tell my patients at least to generally limit the time spent in the sun, especially, you know, we talk about the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., but wear hats, sunglasses, protective clothing, and wear sunscreen, especially sunscreen with an spf of 30 or higher now beyond what we can do communities uh can also help by just generally increasing shade in outdoor recreational settings planting trees building shade structures for example and adding skin cancer prevention to school courses hopefully from an early age
0: I would certainly hope so, because, you know, I have a farm and I can't avoid being outside, but I wear the SPF, I wear the hat, sometimes I wear long sleeves, even if I'm sweating, Mm -hmm. especially if it's with hay, but yeah, I feel you. I, sure. I do want to ask, you know, we have so much to cover today, but when we talk about environmental, there's other things we should be considering. Like I know, for example, my dad's bladder cancer is most likely, I have to say that, connected to the fact that he was a chemist in a with a very specific chemical for mm-hmm. 40 years, right? But are there other environmental things we should be considering? We hear a lot about like fertilizers, that sort of thing.
1: Well, there, there are, you know, um a lot of environmental factors and um, and chemicals and and things that have been deemed carcinogens i think more important to focus on today are the the most common things such as infectious agents for example that that can cause cancer so uh human papillomavirus which uh you talked in a prior podcast regarding cervical cancer that's hpv virus uh can is is a known uh infectious agent that can cause cancer other ones include h pylori hepatitis b and c and hiv for example so not to not to not answer your question but i think strategies to prevent these to prevent actual uh, transmission uh, are important but there's also vaccines that we can do to protect against cancers related to these infections um and we, we you discussed previously hpv vaccination um since hpv infection causes almost all cervical cancers right but um as the prior doctor who was on your show mentioned uh what may surprise many people too, is that um, it's not well publicized that HPV also is responsible for 90% of anal cancers, 70% of oropharyngeal cancers in men and women. And those are cancers of the soft palate, tonsils, base of tongue, regions of the head and neck, and about 60 to 70% of vaginal, vulvar, and penile cancer. So HPV vaccination, definitely recommended um, and it's best works best if it's given to girls and boys between the ages of 9 and 12 prior to any potential exposure you know so um, but teenagers young adults ages 13 to 26 uh, should also get their vaccine as soon as possible so um,
0: yeah we left in- that show all of us <laughs> saying if you're not getting a vaccine we don't know what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> like that—that that one's a no-brainer. Right. it's a flat-out but no-brainer.
1: It, it's absolutely right, but not to, not to answer the specific uh, um, question. There are thousands of of documented carcinogens uh, found in workplace but also in the air, water, soil, uh, such as radon gas, outdoor, just general air pollution, pesticides, and occupational hazards too. So um yes.
0: Are there are there things though like around the house that we shouldn't do? Like I'm I'm making it up because I don't really know. But like I remember when I was little my parents would be like don't sniff the oven cleaner or <laughs> whatever. Like, you know, are there are there things we should avoid around our house or things that maybe we shouldn't even have the house that we don't know about?
1: Well that is that's a good question. I think um we over time we we continue to find and uh, uh we'll continue to learn about things that we are currently using right now sprays, chemicals, cleaning agents um, uh, things that 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 protect furniture for for example from from uh, uh, flame retardants and things like that. so right, right. Uh, yes i I would say uh, we can't necessarily avoid everything. I think it's always very important to read read the labels okay there's a tiny print on the back of every cleaning agent uh, or you know if you have hobbies of painting or or staining things or uh, i would say read the labels they have to uh, by, by regulations uh state the potential harms for example vapors they may produce and how to use specific products if you should be outside and wear well ventilated areas for example or you shouldn't let this specific uh chemical touch your skin so wear gloves that's the main thing because specifically i can't go over everything that we could do but simply reading and before before just starting doing something i think it would be a benefit to most of the listeners here
0: good advice good advice you you did mention the vaccine so let's jump into yeah. that because i know i know the hpv vaccine is is a wonderful example are there other vaccines that we should be thinking about or tests even like the BRCA gene testing for that what what are your recommendations in that space
1: right um hpv vaccine is definitely um unfortunately the rates are not as high as i would like and basically if we if we have a very very successful and vaccinate everyone for example then we can completely eradicate some cancers like i mentioned cervical cancer or a lot of now uh, or o- oropharyngeal uh basically uh, head and neck cancers um so that is is definitely very important other vaccines um so i had mentioned um, hepatitis uh B and C, which can be, um, which can be related to a subsequent development of something called hepatocellular carcinoma. So vaccination for, for example, hepatitis B is, is, uh, is definitely, uh, necessary. Um, and, and then just screening, for example, for hepatitis C and, and for HIV, there's what, you know, we call, Pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is preventative measures medications that can lower the risk of HIV in high risk groups. So, uh, those are some things that that um, that we can do related to these infections.
0: Well, and I mean, obviously, like I get my Pap smear every year and I get my mammogram every year. Obviously, we want to get the screenings that we should be mm-hmm. getting that would prevent that. That's um, right.
1: Yeah, which screenings to <laughs> early detect cancer screenings can help with early detection okay which has been shown to reduce mortality from cancers that we typically recommend screening for so you mentioned pap smears but you know but also women beginning annual mammograms at age 45 or there's an option to start earlier at age 40 uh, screening for colorectal cancers now at now at age 45 cervical cancer screening usually at age 25 discussion about prostate cancer screening and and very importantly uh, the low dose ct scans that should be offered for any adult between the age of 50 and 80 who currently smoke or have quit in the past 15 years and have what we call a 20 pack year history of smoking at least a 20 pack year and that means the number you take the number of packs of cigarettes smoked per day multiplied By the number of years smoked, if that equals at least twenty, then you may be in a category that uh, uh, should should get this low dose CT scan to potentially catch a early stage lung cancer, which can be curable.
0: I have to say, I wasn't super thrilled when I hit forty five last year, and they told me I had to get a a colonoscopy, but. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's do it because I certainly don't want to have colon cancer.
1: <laughs> well, but, it's um, a, it's it's important <laughs> I I do know between patients and and family members who who especially the colorectal screening is are very hesitant, but but it it saves lives and that's why it's a, it's a standard. It wouldn't be um basically the, the The insurance companies and medicare wouldn't be paying for them if they didn't have a a benefit right and i wanted to mention within within our own health system uh we have what we call the the providence cancer institute which is a network of physicians and other caregivers and scientists whose mission is to deliver comprehensive and patient-centered care with latest the latest technology and research and i bring this up because Early detection and specialized treatments are at the core of the Providence Cancer Institute care model. And we've had initiatives such as cloud-based electronic risk assessment screening programs that help efficiently identify high-risk patients in very large populations. We now have this this, uh, team called the Colorectal Cancer Dream Team to help enhance colorectal cancer detection in diverse communities. They are medically underserved and have generally low screening rates. And we also have a very large primary care network that, you know, with the goal of transforming care, improving population health outcomes, especially for the poor and vulnerable who who typically face cancer health disparities.
0: I love that. Providence as a, as a large system has so many experts and so many places that you can get care. And I love the fact that the Institute takes all of that expertise and puts it into kind of one network that you wouldn't be able to access if you were someone else. So I love it. And I love that you brought that up. We're, we're kind of running out of time, but I want to touch on a couple of quick things, which are what I guess some people would call alternative interventions. I know we hear a lot about like vitamin supplements and aspirin and organic food. Are those things that we should be looking at as we talk about lifestyle changes or decisions that we're making? Uh,
1: Well, so you mentioned aspirin. So regular use of aspirin or other NSAIDs uh, has actually been shown to decrease the risk of some polyps and colorectal cancers in some studies. So uh, actually, in in high-risk patients with a specific genetic condition, for example, a trial showed that it decreased the risk of colorectal cancer by sixty percent. But the question still remains about the most effective and safest dose, and how long to take these medications for effective cancer prevention in lower risk patients. So, when it comes to to these drugs or other drugs in general, the evidence is not compelling enough to start anything for cancer prevention um, about supplemental vitamins because of mixed, basically mixed results in studies, I generally recommend against supplement use for the sake of cancer prevention and, and just advise a healthy diet to meet the nutritional needs instead.
0: Those are pretty wise words. So let me make sure I have this right. We're going to eat right. We're going to exercise. We're going to get our vaccines. We're going to do our screenings did I miss anything that we should be thinking about or that the audience should be thinking about as it relates to cancer prevention?
1: So let's see, we mentioned, so avoiding tobacco, Ah, being physically active, maintaining a healthy weight, eating a healthy diet, eliminating eliminating or at least limiting alcohol, uh, protecting against infections through strategies that prevent the transmission, but also through appropriate vaccinations, sun exposure um, and appropriate cancer screens would be everything i can recommend today
0: well that's pretty impressive i'm not gonna lie so is there anything else that you want the audience to know before we let them go
1: well um first of all i would like to thank you for having me on today as a radiation oncologist a cancer doctor cancer prevention and early detection are essential to my personal mission of saving lives and fighting to finish cancer. Uh, Over the past decades, we've already seen declines in cancer mortality due to reduced smoking, earlier cancer detection, and more advanced and personalized treatments. I'm happy programs and podcasts such as yours exist to educate our patients and loved ones so that we can all enjoy a better and healthier future. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Doc, for joining us today on Let's Finish Cancer. We look forward to continuing the conversation on the whole person approach to cancer care with more experts from Providence and our affiliates in our future episodes. Make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health radio station or on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit providence.org. And as a reminder, the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding medical condition or treatment. Thanks for listening, and remember, at Providence, we see the life in you.